0: Welcome to the Action Network podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan.
1: (laughs) Winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, and welcome back to the Action Network podcast. This, of course, is the Golf Edition. I'm your host, Peter Jennings, and as always, joined by Jason Sobel. We are now getting into the heart of the golf season, uh, coming off the Waste Management, which was a, a huge event. Webb Simpson won in a playoff. I uh, actually had some outrights on Webb Simpson uh, after the third round, but I was still kind of rooting for Tony, Jason. I know we're all big fans of Tony, and... Uh, I thought it was a really fun event, but what was your thought just kind of on the finale?
0: Yeah, so it's going to happen for Tony Finau. I mean, in a bubble, we sit here right now and say, boy, you know, he he missed that fairly short putt. He really didn't. I didn't think he gave a great run at it on 18. He was like an eight footer and then lost in the playoff. And you say, well, Tony hasn't won now in four years. And, you know, he's got all this talent. And, and I think that It's almost the Phil Mickelson at a major championship thing that we did 15, 20 years ago where we said, oh, Phil, you know, keeps coming close to the majors. Is he ever going to win one of these things? And then next thing you know, he's got five of them. And you say, oh, well, yeah, of course he was going to win. He was going to win the whole time. It just took a little longer than we had thought. And I tend to think the same thing about Tony Finau winning regular PGA Tour events that a year, two years, three years from now, whatever the case might be. We're going to look back and say, <laughs> you remember when we thought Tony Finau couldn't win BJ Tour events? Oh, that was silly because of course he could. He's a really good player. And so in this bubble, we say, man, poor Tony Finau. He keeps getting screwed at the end, whether he screws himself or you know whatever the case might be, but he, he just can't get over that hump. He's going to. It, it's a matter of time, and Tony's a really, really talented player. It's going to happen for him.
1: Yeah, also just known as one of the nicest guys on tour and yeah, uh, over-talented and actually has been historically really chalky in DFS. Uh, not quite as chalky. Still still owned this last week, but we'll see uh, what his ownership looks like going forward. Webb Simpson, we'll get into some master's futures a little bit on this podcast, but, uh, man, he's playing some great golf, elevated really high overall. Right now I have him as like the sixth or seventh best player in the world, which is is really moving up considering – You know, you have Brooks, you got Rory, you got Tiger, you got John Rahm, who I think is incredible. He closed last week, plus 450 to win the tournament. Still got JT, you got Rose, you got, you know, a bunch of big names. Xander, who played well until Sunday. So there's a lot of big names and Webb has skyrocketed. He's now in that 40 to 50 to 1 range to win the Masters as well. Uh, What are your thoughts on Webb? I mean, are you as high on Webb as I am?
0: Yeah, probably not. Don't get me wrong. I, I think Webb has played fantastic. In fact, I, I will admit that if you gave me that sort of blind taste test where you showed me the results over the last nine months since last year's Masters and uh, until the other day when I really started looking at them, if you'd said, hey, who is this? You know, just, hey, here's the results and here's, you know, pick player X, player Y, or player Z. I'm not sure that I would have quite gotten the fact that Webb Simpson has not finished outside the top 30 in the last nine months. And he's been three, I believe, runner-up finishes and finally now uh, has a victory. He's played great golf. That said, Peter, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to jump on Webb Simpson as a potential Masters champion yet. I know the number is pretty good. I, I just don't see it. I, I just don't think that Webb at the Masters is something that's going to happen. I think that we're going to look at the the big boys, the guys that we expect to be up there for the Masters and um, yeah, it's a nice number right now, and, and you look at what he's done over the course of the long term, and, and he's played terrific golf and take nothing away from Webb Simpson, what he accomplished, uh, birdie birdie to finish in regulation and then win in the playoff at great golf, Uh, deserves all the accolades, he's played terrifically, he's now number seven in the world and uh, should move ahead of Tiger after this week with both of them not playing, so he should be up to six in the world after this week, but I still don't see Webb Simpson as a potential Masters champion this year.
1: I think that's fair. I do think the numbers starting to get intriguing, and it's starting to come down across the markets. Uh, you know, I've seen him as low as like 30, 35 to 1, depending where you're looking. There are still a couple 50 to 1s. Not advocating necessarily that there's a lot of value there, but he has played incredible golf. Uh, his GIR stats are ridiculous, and uh, obviously a really strong win. Uh, had a hole-in-one last week, and uh, if you had him in DFS – You did extremely well uh, with Web Simpson, but this is a forward-looking show. We got to talk about uh, this program here, which should be a lot of fun. I mean, obviously we still have DFS. It's still a real event, but this is one of the coolest uh, events to watch. I mean, love watching DJ and Gretzky and uh, there's just a lot of fun at this event. So, what are your thoughts on the AT&T PGA Tour uh, Pebble Beach event here that we have this week? So
0: well, Peter, as somebody who loves six-hour rounds of golf, this is right up my alley. I, I it, the slower the better. Uh, take your time. This is not a race. This is not a, a sprint. This is a marathon. We we need to take our time in golf. Six six hours is probably pushing it. Let's let's get to six and a half, maybe seven. And, and I think those are uh, those are rounds that stretch out a little bit more. So no. I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but yeah, Pebble is what you expect it to be. Look, there's a lot of celebrities. There's a lot of CEOs of companies. Uh, there's a lot of people playing golf who aren't professional golfers in this event, and it, it is what it is, and we we know what to expect, especially on Saturday. The broadcast will be all about Eli and Peyton Manning both playing and uh, a handful of other uh, athletes and celebrities, and uh, it's fine. It, that's what it is. It's the clam bake. That's what it's based on. Look, not every event is the same. Not uh, I saw people after last week say, oh, Phoenix was awesome. Why don't they do that every week? Oh, you're not going to get three quarters of a million people or whatever it happened to be in Phoenix last week at, at, at an event every single week. And this is why the PGA Tour thrives on, on an annual basis because you go to Phoenix and you have – hey, it's a party and people hang out. It's great. There's lots of people there and fans. And then you go to Pebble and it's, okay, we've got celebrities. We've got three different golf courses. Then the next week we'll go to Riviera. It's, wow, we've got a a traditional old-style course and it's an invitational and some of the better players are playing. It doesn't have to be the same every single week. And I know a lot of people are going to complain, Peter, about, pebble in the long rounds and the pro-am and having to see all these golfers who aren't necessarily golfers hitting golf shots. It's okay. We got a long year ahead of us. It's all right to, to be able to on, on a Saturday afternoon, watch Huey Lewis hit, hit an eight iron in from one twenty into the uh, 16th green. That that's okay. That's all right. We, we don't have to get too upset about it.
1: Getting upset. That's just dumb. I mean, I think it'll be fun to unique and uh, variety is the spice of life. Yes. Uh, and there's still value in these betting markets. It's not quite as strong with strong field. DJ is at the top. You know, you're looking uh, at, uh, you know, some big names. You know, uh, DJ is the favorite, followed by Cantlay, who I, I really like. Victor Hovland coming in right now, you know, around that 17, 18 to 1 range uh, as the third favorite. Paul Casey, Jason Day, Coocher, Snedeker. Mickelson at 25 to 1, which just seems outrageous to me. Fitzpatrick, Brendan Grace, Graham McDowell, who just won. And the big name that I know you've done a lot of content for at the Action Network, Jordan Spieth, currently sitting in that 43, 44 to 1 range. And in matchups, I mean, I think Spieth is also somewhat intriguing. Uh, You know, I've been down on Spieth on this show relatively. He's a minus 128 favorite currently versus Daniel Berger. Uh, Like I mentioned, you've done a lot of work at the Action Network. What are you thinking about Spieth in the top of this field?
0: I have been all over the place with Spieth here. And really, it's uh, I started the year, uh, and really, we're talking about a month ago, I started the year as under the assumption that this could be the week for Spieth. At least I, And I, when I say this could be the week, not necessarily the week that he wins, but at least a stepping stone toward the major championships where he plays better, maybe he moves into those WGC events. I mean, just, just a good step in the right direction. And then I saw him play a little bit, and I said, no, no, I'm fading him. I'm out on Spieth. So it's just, it's not happening right now. And then I watched this Friday round Phoenix and and I'm totally confused. And uh, Peter, I I saw something recently from a sports writer that I respect who who said, you know, sometimes you go on podcasts or radio shows and it's okay to say, I don't know. And when it comes to Spieth, I am firmly on the fence saying, I don't know right now. I I have no idea. I, I think he can play pretty well this week. I've got him down for like a, A T-18 this week. Like, pretty good at times, and at times you think, oh, he's climbing the leaderboard a little bit, and that's going to be good. And then, oh, no, he made a double bogey. Now he falls back a little bit, but then he made a birdie. I I just think it's going to be one of those weeks for Spieth where he's had a a really good history here. He won back in 2017. He's comfortable here on these courses. AT&T is a sponsor of his. What's really interesting to me, Peter, is that in his six previous starts, at this tournament from 2014 through 2019, he has never been lower than third in the field as far as his pre tournament odds. This week, he is tied for 13th. He is 40 to 1 this week. He's never been since 2014 higher than 18 to 1. That was last year when he finished in 45th place. Before that, he had never been outside the top 21. He plays this tournament really well. And yet, this week, 40 to one, you look at it and you say, well, based on past history, that's a great number. We got to jump on it. And then you look at recent form and you say, no way. There's other guys at 40 to one. There's other guys at higher numbers that I like better. And so I, I am firmly saying right now, Peter, that I have absolutely no idea what to think about Spieth other than I'm really intrigued and I can't wait to see what he does this week. Yeah, I'm still bearish.
1: I feel bad that I'm always, <laughs> always bad about Spieth, but you know, even just looking at short-term stats, you know, you just take the the twenty twenty PGA Tour season. He's two hundred thirty seventh in driving accuracy, not even hitting fifty percent of the fairways. Eek, I don't like, think that's there's
0: two thirty seven out there.
1: Yeah, he's he's sixty two two twenty seven in GIR percentage. You know, he's really not doing anything exceptionally well. Um, you know, it's not like a super short hitter, but you know, obviously you can get hot with the putter. Uh, the reason Spieth was Such a great golfer, you know, in that run 2015 16, even into 2017. Obviously, he was the best putter on the planet, but he was also a great iron player. Uh, and yeah. that iron game has really, you know, just not been there. And you know, he struggled even more so off the tee. I think he's still looking for his swing. Uh, you know, I'd love to see Spieth turn it on, and, and I think I still would love to be contrarian with him in DFS if no one's going to take him at the Masters, but I'm still going to be short relative to these odds and this price. I mean. The problem with Speed for me is he's still just baking, you know, on, on DraftKings, he's still, you know, 9,000, and he's still in that range, you know, 40 to 1, 45 to 1 range where I just, I can't buy buying it, but I get it. It's a great course or a great setup for him. He's played really well at this tournament. Uh, I think the pro am thing, you know, he's, he's in a comfortable spot, so I don't know. I hate to just brag on Speed so much, but... I like some other guys in that range uh, quite a bit better. Um, you know, I think Alex Noren sets up a lot better in that same range. Max Homa starting to play really good golf, which is yeah. crazy to say that he's, you know, someone I would take over him. Jim Furick, I think I take straight up in a matchup over Jordan Spieth, oh, which man. says a lot. What, what are your thoughts on the top of the field? Because I do think, you know, you're looking at DFS, you know, DJ, you know, is in that five to six to one range to win, six to one most places. You know, you have Cantley, who I, I tend to really like. Uh, what, what do you think about like the top guys? Maybe Paul Casey, Jason Day?
0: I feel like I have a good handle this week on the mid-tier. I feel like I have a really good handle on the lower tier, guys that I really like in those ranges. And yet the top tier, I, I'm i struggling this week, Peter. I, I will be very honest with you. Dustin Johnson, we all know oh, Dustin's played great at Pebble. Dustin always wins, but Dustin hasn't won at Pebble in a decade. So let, let's stop the the common rhetoric of, Uh, DJ just shows up at pebble and he wins every time. I I think it's a very safety FS pick. Look, if you've got guys that you like who are mid tier and lower tier guys, you want to put DJ in there coming off a runner up finish in Saudi Arabia last week. I I don't think he's going to hurt you this week, but uh, here's just a little kind of asterisk on this week for DJ three years ago, came over from the middle East playing over there, went to the farmer's insurance open at Torrey pines, missed the cut last year came over after playing in the Saudi Arabia tournament there and won that event and then finished, I believe, in uh, 45th place at Pebble. This year, he's coming over after a second-place finish at Saudi Arabia. And I I just feel like making that trip for some reason has hurt DJ a little bit. So if you're sitting there saying, hey, you know, the old say, hey, DJ, get him at Pebble. He's just going to clean up out there. He always plays well. Really, if you look at it over the last few years, Jason Day has played a lot better at Pebble than Dustin Johnson has. I don't necessarily love Jason Day, though. Jason Day going into Torrey, where he didn't play terribly, sounded like he was completely pessimistic about his own game. So, Dustin, I can find a hole in his game right now. Jason Day, I can find a hole with him. Patrick Cantlay, California kid. You would think this would be a great tournament for him, and, and this is not trolling, Peter, but Six-hour rounds should be right up Patrick Cantlay's lane. I mean, this is you know, a guy who plays really slowly. Guys who like to play quick tend to struggle at Pebble just a little bit for the most part. Patrick Cantlay, yeah, slow rounds, no big deal. I'll play with some CEO of a company, and you know, we'll take six hours to play. That, that's the usual for him. Uh, I think he'll play well, but he hasn't played great in California-based events in the past. Paul Casey was runner-up last year. I like Paul Casey this week. I don't love him, though, so i am struggle a little bit with the top. Where do you see the top? Who, who jumps out at you of the top five, six, seven, eight guys uh, on the board?
1: I'm kind of in the same spot as you. I don't have much conviction. I don't think it's DJ, even though this has been historically a, a great course for him, although, like you mentioned, not as much recently. Uh, this used to be a spot where, you know, when he was playing his best golf, he just would show up and dominate. You know, Paul Casey's safe. Kucher is the epitome of safe. He's looking decent in the matchups, yeah. but. I do like some of the more balanced builds specifically on DraftKings. And in terms of matchups, uh, you know, the, the matchups that I, I really like don't involve many of these top guys. I mean, they still are giving a lot of respect to DJ. You know, you can get Cantley like plus 130, plus 135. DJ's minus 60 in a lot of places. So if you want to go that route, uh, I certainly don't hate it. Um, but for the most part, I think I, I like the mid-tier. Um, my favorite bet so far that I'm looking at is actually fading Jordan Spieth, getting Berger at plus money. Uh, I've seen him anywhere from like plus one hundred five to plus one hundred ten. Uh, some spots now he's he's a you know still a dog, but like in that minus one hundred one, minus one hundred two range. Uh, do you have a favorite bet this week? Before we dive into the DFS stuff,
0: well, I mean I I hadn't thought it. Burger's my guy this week. Burger's the guy that I have picked to win this tournament. So if you're asking me if I like Burger over speeth in a tournament match. And, and you get him at plus uh, money
1: in some spots, potentially still. Uh, he yeah, was I
0: considering I, I have him number one on the board, then yeah, I like him against Speeth. He's only played this event once, that was five years ago, played it well. Uh, he's trending in the right direction, played really well in the weekend in Phoenix. Burger's a guy who he, he almost has a chip on his shoulder and the fact that he was hurt last year. And I, I feel like he's going to think he's playing catch up right now. That he has to he has to go get guys because he's playing off major medical, he's going to be fine. He's going to have his card. He's going to be okay. I just think that over the long term, Daniel Berger's a guy that, you know, feels like he needs to go out and get these guys. I I think, and and it's sort of the same thing I said about Cantley, where Cantley is comfortable playing really long slogs of a a golf tournament, whereas Berger's a, a little more impatient. And so if he can be patient in this golf tournament and not have to worry about playing longer rounds, I really like him this week. So, yes, that's a bet that I like. And if we're getting down to the sort of mid-tier a little bit, my favorite bet this week is Patrick Rogers for a top 20. He's had top 20 finishes in each of his last two starts. He was T8 at this event two years ago. He's a Stanford guy. A couple of Stanford guys I like this week. Him, Maverick McNeely, I like a lot this week as well. But I really think that Patrick Rogers can go out there and actually contend for this title. I, I don't mind him for a long shot outright bet to go win this golf tournament this week. He's a really talented kid playing well right now. And I, I think he's a a really good bet for a top 20 and a decent bet for a long shot outright winner this week.
1: Yeah. He's playing, starting to play really, really good golf and has the firepower power here. Uh, I think some people are going to look to bombers, which I think makes sense. Um, you know, accuracy is going to be important as well. And you know, these greens can be really tough. So hitting them is important. And, uh, there's some tricky situations. Is there a course fit that you're looking at specifically for this week?
0: Well, it's hard. Of course, you've got three different courses this week. And if you're doing, and in some places, you can't even get first round leader bets this week because they're on three different golf courses. But I will say that last year, the scoring average on both Pebble Beach and Spyglass Hill was somewhere in the 71.5 to 72 range, while the course average, the scoring average at Monterey Peninsula Country Club was 68. So, if you can get a first-round leader bet down this week, you absolutely want to get somebody that's playing MPCC to start on Thursday. That's very important. Last year, the two leaders and the two players who were one shot back on Thursday were all on MPCC, so expect the lower scores to be on that golf course. As far as guys who are course fit, Cameron Champ is a guy. I mean, we talked about him two weeks ago going into and He played well there. I think that people are still shying away from Cameron Champ because he had so much hub going for him after that first win, which was early in the 2018-19 season, and really didn't live up to any of that hype at all. And then won again early in the 1920 season, and I think people are saying, "Okay, well, fool me once, shame on me; fool me twice, shame on you." And then all of a sudden, well, Cameron Champ's been really good, I believe seven straight finishes of 33rd or better for Cameron champ. And he's a NorCal guy. I like the NorCal guys this week. So he's a guy that I I really like a lot. I'm looking right now at a tournament matchup where he's up against Adam Hadwin. I like Adam Hadwin a lot too, but for a DFS play for a top 10 type bet, I I like Cameron champ to go uh, pretty low this week.
1: Yeah. I like him specifically over Hadwin. I think there's a lot of upside, uh, You know, everyone looks at his power, but he's starting to play more consistent golf. And uh, especially with his wedge game, I mean, that's something that I'm looking for from him. And, you know, that's another reason I like Berger. I mean, Berger's been long off the tee, Uh, obviously comes from a huge tennis family, a lot of athletes. And uh, I think this is a a pretty good setup. And he's one of my favorite uh, overall plays and just absolutely love that he's matched up against Jordan Spieth, uh, who I am bearish on. And I think you're getting a really good price on him. DFS wise, I think we have a lot of guys to get into. Uh, We'll certainly draft our team. I do think there's some pretty clear fades. Uh, the guys that I'm off are, are Mickelson and Spieth, yeah. uh, which, you know, Mickelson, amazing on social media, been great for the game, obviously. But 9,500, I know it's a weak field. Give me Grace for 9,300. Give me Graham McDowell for 9,200. Give me Victor Hovlin for sure at 9,100. Uh, and there's other guys that I actually like straight up over them that are even cheaper. So what are your thoughts on those two fades and then some guys you like and we'll, we'll build the team?
0: Yeah, I'm fading both of those guys. as Well, I've got a little speed here and there, just for the sake of it. I, I, I'm not like you said. I, I don't have a whole lot of conviction in speed this week. But if I'm going upper tier, and and quite honestly, both on DraftKings and FanDuel, based on some of the guys that I like this week, I will have the salary to spend. And if I'm spending up, the two guys that I keep looking at are Patrick Cantley and Paul Casey. Yeah. I, I just think they're the safest picks out there. I. I like DJ. I mean, if you want to spend up for DJ, I just think he's going to be highly owned. Jason Day, you just don't know what to expect. Three straight top five finishes at this golf tournament, but you listen to how he how he sounds about his game. He can't putt. He can't practice his putting for more than half an hour because his hip hurts too much. His back hurts too much. Uh, it just doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence in what Jason Day is doing right now. And so uh, I, I look at it and I say, uh, just by, by process of elimination, Cantley and Casey, are the guys that I like there, I kind of move into the next tier. All guys that we've mentioned, Berger, Cameron Champ, Adam Hadwin, sort of in that next tier of guys that I like. I know you're not quite as high on Hadwin, but if you look at it, four of the five winners on the PGA Tour so far this year played in the President's Cup a month ago. I guess a month and a half ago now. So uh, the only player from the international team who is competing this week is Adam Hadwin made his first start of the year last week, played two really good rounds, and then kind of fell off the pace a little bit on the weekend. But he's a good player. I think Hadwin can play well. He's played well in California on that type of grass in the past. And then I look at – I'm going to get into the lower tier, Peter, and I I mentioned Patrick Rogers already. I mentioned really like Maverick McNeely, a couple other guys, Harry Higgs – with what a good
1: story he has! I love uh, Higgs.
0: Oh, uh, the guy looks like Spalding smells, and I mean, he's got the shirt unbuttoned to his chest. He's playing with Jay Monahan this week. You want to talk about a guy that's feeling a little bit of pressure? You, you want to play well for your partner? We've all played matches where, hey, I'm playing a Nassau. It's a five dollar Nassau. I'm playing, but I'm playing with a buddy, and I, I, I don't want my buddy to lose. You know, like I don't want to lose, but I really don't want this guy that I'm playing with to lose. Harry Higgs is playing with Commissioner Jay Monahan. You think Harry Higgs is going to have a little extra motivation this week to go out and play well? I think you will. Mark Hubbard. Hubbard got engaged at Pebble Beach at the 18th hole a few years ago. Talk about motivation. Uh, coming off a really strong finish in Phoenix, I think Hubbard is a really nice lower-tier play. Cameron Tringali, Tyler McCumber are guys that I like as well. J.J. Spawn. So uh, I, I actually feel better about, like I said earlier, the mid-tier and low-tier guys, I, I'm really uh, bullish on some of these guys. Whereas the top tier, I'm I'm kind of like, all right, I'm throwing darts on you guys, but hopefully I hit with you guys. But I really like some of these mid and lower tier guys.
1: I'm with you. Uh, the Paul Casey thing too. You know, you look at course history, you look at the adjusted round course form. You know, Paul Casey is right there at the top. Victor Hovland has, you know, only, only have one one account of him playing, but he played well here. Uh, that's why Mickelson's coming up. That's why Speed's coming up because they played well here. One of the cheap guys that I like is Aaron Wise, uh, only 7,200. Been on him in general. Um, you know, yeah. he's at least going to get three rounds. I know he hasn't been playing as well, but I'll still take the variance and the upside with Wise and then the birdie-making potential. And I agree with you on a lot of the names. I think, you know, we talked about Champ before. I like that. I like the JJ Spawn call. Uh, it's an interesting field, and I think you have to dig deep. I mean, this is the nice thing. It's not a stacked, stacked field. So there certainly is value uh, in, in digging into some of these other guys. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. DraftKings still has really big contests. And uh, yeah, I think shorting speed is my my favorite bet. DFS wise, uh, let's make a team here. Do you want the first pick or the second pick, Sobel?
0: Before we get going, I want to ask you a DFS question because uh, very much like the American Express that we saw a few weeks ago, guys are guaranteed of three rounds this week. So if you're looking at making a lineup, okay, instead of like, you know, usual weeks like last week, like the Farmers Insurance Open, where, Uh, you're going to get three rounds out of a guy. So are we looking more at total birdies and birdie average more so than we would in another week? Is that more important this week because guys will play 54 holes instead of 36 holes if they miss the cut?
1: I I think so, and that's why I'm really taking a look at that in a big way. You know, Jim Furyk, I like him in matchups, but I'm going to like him less specifically, uh, you know, in DFS just because I don't think he's going to make as many birdies. Like, you know, I would take him straight up over Aaron Wise uh, in a matchup, but, um, you know, someone like wise certainly sets up a lot better. Uh, so yeah, you are chasing scoring, uh, more so on DraftKings on FanDuel. There's a lot of bounce back and different stats there. Uh, but for sure, given that we have the guaranteed number of holes, I think you have to look to that. And there's some guys that stand out, um, you know, that really do. And, and, you know, Maverick McNeely someone that I think is going to make a lot of birdies. And he has so far this year, which is good to see. Um, you know, I mentioned, uh, Aaron Wise, I think, is one of the guys that just in general is going to outperform. Daniel Berger has been a big birdie maker so far this year. So uh, I'm looking at that stat. I think it's something that we, we certainly want to consider in this lineup. If those of you playing DFS, uh, you know, you don't have to. You're embracing the variance more and the riskier guys, given your guaranteed three days.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I like all those. Names. Aaron Wise, the guy that I've been on for a while now. He's a really good player in college. He's an NCAA champion in college. He's won twice already on the PGA Tour. had an off year last year, but I, I'm expecting him to have a comeback year. I'm not sure I see it for him necessarily this week, but I love the fact, Peter, that you're on him. I, I will be on him at some point. I, I will be on him very soon. As soon as he shows a little bit of form, he's my guy, and I'm going to ride him for a while, but I, I'm not sure that I'm quite there yet with Aaron Wise.
1: Okay, that's that's more than fair. Let's uh, Let's make a lineup. Uh, you want to go first? You want to go second?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll take first. And uh, why don't I take the guy that we've talked about so much already? And I I quite honestly have not seen him talked up that much anywhere else. So uh, maybe Daniel Berger stays fairly low owned, but uh, I think he's a really good play this week. Eighty nine hundred on DraftKings. He's just below Spieth, just above Cameron Champ. I think it's a nice price for him coming off a really good. Uh, final 36 holes in Phoenix. So Daniel Berger is my first pick.
1: Perfect. And last week we had five of six. We needed the six of six. Hopefully we can deliver a six of six. And I'll keep us with a guy that is somewhat expensive, but I think we'll sure will play well here. Uh, you know, I'm really excited that he uh, has another opportunity coming off a of miscut. And that's Victor Hovland, who, uh, you know, I think this all these courses set up really well for him and uh, 9,100. You know he's a good just straight odds play at this moment given that he's passed you know he has more win equity in a lot of markets than Paul Casey Jason Day not saying I necessarily agree with that exactly but price tag 9100 I think he has really nice upside so I will lock him in and spending a little bit of salary first but we both like some value plays
0: are you picking Victor Hovland because he won the 2016 Carmel Cup while he was in college
1: I'm not but that's another feather in his cap
0: <laughs> I thought you might like that one uh yeah I i so look, I, I think Victor Hovland right now is almost at a buy low sort of place where he, he missed the cut last week. I think he could be a little bit lower owned because of that. And if people are jumping off Victor Hovland right now, I think it's a good time for us to jump on him. Because, he also just uh, seems like he, the greatest dude, doesn't he? Like
1: what he did yeah. with uh, beef and stuff. I really I like Hovland a lot.
0: Look, he looks like stoned Rory. I mean, uh, you know, not to not saying he, he is or anything. he just. He looks like Rory after, uh, after a little bender. Yeah, he's, he's a lot of fun, and you should going to be picking <laughs>
1: golfers and DFS based on how much you like them, but uh, <laughs> I do like Ovlin for statistical reasons as well as uh, I, just, I think he's I think he's a play that we have a lot of win equity for the price set.
0: I am with my next pick. I'm going to go lower. I, like I said earlier, I like the mid-tier and lower-tier guys. I feel more confident in some of them than I do in some of the upper-tier guys, so I, I will leave some of those... Bigger priced guys, bigger salaried guys to you. But Patrick Rogers, who played at Stanford, uh, this kid's a stud. Uh, I'm telling you, it's taken him a little bit longer than some others to kind of get his feet under him on the PGA Tour. But this guy's going to be a really good player for a long time. at 7,400 on DraftKings, coming off a a ninth-place finish and a 16th-place finish in his last two starts. I love Patrick Rogers this week.
1: I did too. Uh, one of the best athletes on tour, ton of power and uh, started to show more consistency, which I'm really encouraged by. I think that was kind of what bit him before. But you look at, you know, his events starting this year. I mean, in the calendar year of 2020, he's gone 38, 64th. We don't like to see, but still, you know, found a cut. Ninth at the farmer's insurance, 16th at the waste management. This guy hits a ball a freaking ton. And, uh, you know, I think he can make a ton of birdies, which we, we definitely want. And that's a really enticing price tag. Uh, so I like that pick quite a bit. Uh, one guy that I think is interesting just from an odds perspective. And I think, you know, a lot of star people are doing this and uh, he kind of fits the same mold. He's actually matched up against Patrick Rogers is a little bit of favorite. That's Scott Stallings, who I think is a really nice play here. Uh, certainly capable of making a lot of birdies. And at that price tag, of only 7,600. Uh, I definitely like him more than Lucas Gulliver, Pat Perez, Kevin Streelman. I think he's a really nice play. And, that leaves us kind of right in that, that middle tier where we have 8,500 for, for two players left.
0: Yeah, I'm going to leave you some money on the board because uh I'm going with another Stanford guy who I like a lot this week. In fact, in my preview column this week, I, I picked him for a top 10, even though in 27 career PGA Tour starts, he's never finished in the top 10, but he was 15th at Torrey Pines two weeks ago, and that's Maverick McNeely. I, he's got, again, a guy with a ton of game. He was a really good collegiate player, won a ton of uh, amateur tournaments, uh, and I think he's uh, very much like some of these other guys we mentioned, starting to get his feet under him, starting to feel more comfortable. At 7,300, I think he's a really strong player this week, and I'm leaving some big money on the board for you with 9,700 left for our final pick on draft games.
1: Yeah, you're putting me in a spot. I got, I got two guys that I'm debating. I'm either going to go with Matthew Fitzpatrick, who spends all the salary, or Brendan Grace. Which, Which, which way do you lean out of those two?
0: I will tell you that Matthew Fitzpatrick does not have regular caddy Billy Foster on the bag. I believe he has Daniel Rappaport, a writer for Golf Digest, a buddy of his from Northwestern University, uh, who is caddying for him this week, which might mean something, might mean everything, might mean nothing. I, I don't know, but I will tell you that. Fitzy has a a different caddy on the bag this week. And and Brandon Grace coming off a a good week in Phoenix last week.
1: That's enough of a sell for me. I did not know that. Grace coming off of, uh, you know, he's been playing well. He's obviously haven't been playing on the PGA Tour until last week where he finished ninth, but won the South African Open, which, you know, you can't give too much credit for that. It's still a win, though. And uh, played decent in Abu Dhabi. So I think he's a, a really strong play. And leaving 400 on the table... Is a nice way to be contrarian, and I think this week specifically with the lack of studs, uh, it's a really good week to potentially leave some money on the table, especially in low dollar high buy or low dollar high prize pool events on, on DraftKings, which uh, is the official PGA Tour sponsor. Love that. Love that DFS is growing; these prizes are still growing. You can play showdown slates. Uh, there's just a ton of fun with DFS, and I think there's a little bit of value, like I mentioned at the top of the show, shorting speed specifically. Sobel, well, your final thoughts, and I'll get us out of here.
0: Yeah, I like the team. Daniel Berger, Brandon Grace, Victor Hovland, Maverick McNeely, Patrick Rogers, Scott Stallings. I think, Peter, like you said, uh, I will have some teams, especially on FanDuel more so than DraftKings, that uh, I leave some money on the table this week. If you're looking to be contrarian this week, you're looking to, hey, I don't necessarily need to fill out my salary cap. I don't need to go all the way. This is a week where you can leave 1000 thousand, two thousand 2000 on the table and say, I'm just going to take lower-priced guys, and hope to differentiate myself and have a different lineup than anybody else, I don't mind that play whatsoever.
1: All right. I love the team. Should be a fun week. We got Riviera next week. Uh, We'll both be out in L.A., so that should be a lot of fun. We'll have a stacked field. Hope this is a good week for everyone. Hope you guys had a good Super Bowl. Good luck sweating golf. Uh, Make sure to check us out and listen and download from Spotify, and we will catch you guys next week.